Hello and welcome to Cutting the Bull in the Post-Jude Apocalypse. I'm Ben and as always I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. Claire. Hey. And V. Hello. You listeners, long-term listeners, you will know I love a Soviet nuclear disaster. (laughs) As dodgy as that (laughs) sounds, I'm genuinely surprised the Soviet Union worked for as long as it did because everything they seem to build tends to break. (laughs) And when you let them have nuclear reactors, they tend to break quite badly. And this is the worst nuclear disaster you've never heard of because it was hushed up by not only the Russians, but also the Americans. This is the first time I've heard of it. Yep. Me too. Yeah, me too, last week when you brought it up. Yeah. First of all, thanks to new and returning listeners, and then we'll get into it. Okay. Let's show we start from Phoenix, Arizona, Roscommon in Ireland, Detroit, Michigan, Durban in South Africa, Hastings in the United Kingdom, Berlin in Germany, Hinesville, I guess that's how you say it, in Georgia, Liburne, France, French back. keeps coming back, Irving, California, Niles, Michigan, Dublin, Ireland, Redmond, Washington, Detroit, Michigan, Aurora, Colorado, oh, send me some of that free weed, please, mm. but not free weed, you know. Any donations kindly received, let's mm. put it that way. <laughs> Madrid, Spain, Pahrump, Nevada. Boardman, Oregon, Guadalajara, Spain, Stevenage in the UK, Portugal in Missouri, Ashburn, Virginia, and still top is London. Yeah. London rules. Pretty busy down there, isn't it? Too busy. Yeah, it's a bit busy. It's especially, very busy this especially, weekend. Especially, especially this weekend. Especially this weekend. It's well busy. Fuck that. You well, know, but thanks for listening. I'm from the Shire. Yeah, we're all from the Shire, here. We're all a bunch of hobbits with hairy yeah. feet. Speak for yourselves. <laughs> too, too much concrete. Too busy. I like London. When a man is tired of London, he's tired of life, Michael. Well, <laughs> so said Samuel Pepys. But right. <laughs> <laughs> I like London. It's fascinating. It's an architectural mongrel, but it's fascinating. It's all right to go there and be able to leave. Oh yeah, I wouldn't live there. But, yeah, well, f- no, I wouldn't. Fuck be there no. for more than a couple of days. I wouldn't live there unless I had like a multi-million dollar penthouse overlooking the Thames. I'm not living in like a shitty suburb. <laughs> I want something oh, nice. No. You know, I'm, I'm winning the lottery, might have a London pad, but I'm not, I'm not moving there. I don't want to live in Caxton or somewhere like nah, that. Nah, nah, or West Ham. Croydon. 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 <laughs> More likely you'd be living under someone's stairs in the cupboard. More than likely, yeah. <laughs> like, like, fucking, Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking expensive it is down there. Mm. It's ridiculous. It is bad, it is ridiculous. But really, it's only the rent and that, or the last time I was there, it's only the rent that's nuts. You have been sort of I don't know, beer and cigarettes is not that much more than... Oh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Oh, I thought it was about like 10 quid a beer. No, it's not that. I went, last time I was there, it was like four quid a beer. In a normal, that was in, in 1936. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a couple of years ago, for pre-Covid. Kind of coke cost me three quid once in London. Well, you got the wrong shop, haven't you? <laughs> Stop going to Aaron's. <laughs> it's the only place to shop in London. <laughs> I bought a can of coke just for the bag. I remember going there about... Oh, getting on to 17 years ago yeah about 17 years ago and it cost me I always remember it because it shocked the shit out of me it was £27 for three drinks hey, that'll be it nowadays nah. yeah, but this was 17 yeah, but this was also 17 years ago yeah well it's... and it was like a, a bloody vodka red bull where was it granted it was a it was a double it was called the firehouse I think it was called it was an old firehouse yeah, it was an old fire station. I think it might have been called the fire station, actually. Did they leave the pole in? Oh, they might well have done. We sat outside because it was fucking heaving. Yeah. But yeah, 27 quid for three drinks. I nearly shat myself. <laughs> yeah. And at the well, time, luckily, I was earning good money. But it did, even then, I was just like, what? Speaking of things that'll make you shit yourself, so will radiation poisoning. Will it? Oh, yeah, you're just going to dissolve at a cellular level. So you're probably going to shit yourself. (laughs) Let's go on to this. The Kishtim disaster. The largest nuclear disaster you've never heard of. I think it's still ranked as number two. Chernobyl being the worst. This is the the second worst. So worse than Fukushima. Yeah. It's not. A third biggest is after Fukushima. Sorry, nowadays. Fukushima's number one, I think. I don't know. I think Chernobyl's still number one. The amount of shit that leaked into the sea. Into the sea? Yeah, but the amount of shit that leaked into Chernobyl. I mean, what was it? 20, 20 Hiroshima-sized bombs every hour leaking out of that thing for a couple of days unchecked. Yeah, but that's over there. And... <laughs> it's spread all over us. It's spread all over Europe. 
Eastern Europe and the West Western Europe. We got to go into the water and it's. Where's the water over there? It's a water cycle, isn't it? The land doesn't change, but the water does. I'm sure we got a dose of some sort. Yeah, probably eating radioactive fish. Well, more than likely. Anyway, the Kishtim disaster happened in 1957 at the height of the Cold War, deep in the eastern Ural Mountains of the Soviet Union. You've got Moscow, the Ural Mountains are behind Moscow if you're coming from the west. Yeah. It's where they moved all their factory production to during World War II, shifted it behind the Ural Mountains brick by brick. What, for protection? Yeah, yeah. stop the Germans getting it. Men's they could keep churning them T-34s out. The Soviets disclosed details to no one, not even the people affected. Even the name is a misdirection because it didn't even happen in Kishtim. It was in the town of Chelebin 65, which was renamed Azorsk in the early 90s. And this town, according to the Soviets, did not exist. And there's a simple reason for that. It's because this was basically their Los Alamos. Los Alamos being the home of the Manhattan Project for the Americans, getting the A-bomb. This was the Soviet equivalent. Uh So this town did not exist officially. The causes and consequences were hidden for decades. It was built by 70,000 inmates from gulags across Russia. Forced labour. All all, all them know that it exists, don't they? They would have been sent back to their... They wouldn't know what it was, though, probably. They would have just been built this wall. And when it was sent, <laughs> when it, when it was done, they sent them back to their various yeah. gulags where they were probably shot. I was going to say, if they even got that far. If they even survived. Interesting little historical note is that 25,000 of these prisoners were from what was called the Russian Liberation Army, which was Russian soldiers who defected to side with the Germans huh. in World War II. So as you can imagine, no care was given. No fucks were given for their safety. No. Mm. Why did they defect? Because some of them, while they saw themselves as Russian patriots, did not like the Soviet regime, so they decided they would rather have Stalin gone. Yeah. And they would fight against that regime to liberate Russia from it. Or they were just Nazis. There were still Nazis in the Soviet Union. Yeah. Let's face it, you don't, everyone's political allegiance doesn't change overnight, does it? Yeah. No, but it's like, what's worse, fucking fascism or Soviet... Regime. There's not a lot in it. Not really, is no. there? No, there isn't. So it's the Mayak Production Association runs plutonium facility number 817 in the Chelyabinsk region of Russia. And during the Soviet Union, its location was a secret to anyone who didn't work there. The facility was built in a hurry just after World War II in order to catch up with the Americans in nuclear weapons technology. And the plant, which included six reactors, processed nuclear materials to develop weapons-grade plutonium. At the time, relatively little was known about the effects of radioactive materials on Soviet workers, on human workers, sorry. Even the dangers that were known were disregarded by Soviet authorities in their haste to develop the nuclear weaponry. The future town of Uzos grew up around the facility. Hmm. Actually guarded by approximately 15,000 troops, so you've got an effective entire Soviet army division stationed around this area, including a SAM battery. Service to air missile and stop the Americans overflying too much. Yeah. Yeah, 60, I reckon about 15,000 troops. So they're putting their army there as well? Yeah, keep people out and in. Because the people who moved here to run this place, they weren't allowed to leave. This is top secret. Yeah. Plus, they didn't want it falling into the hands of the Nazis. Yeah. Oh no, this is after that. Oh, it's after that. <coughs> you know what the Americans know what you're doing? Yeah. And you don't want any defectors. Well, it was all about the Americans at the minute now, really, wasn't it? 57 plus onwards and that, wasn't it? That's it. So the Mayak plan built the first nuclear bomb for the Russians, but the Soviet government wanted more and faster, because there's a gap. Even though I'd imagine that in the early 1950s, the Americans have probably got a stockpile of a few hundred nuclear weapons, but the Russians are still going to catch up. Yeah. This led to shortened timelines and a disregard for safety measures. Oh, um, died. 17,000 prisoners received some kind of radiation poisoning Oof. between 1948 and 1958, and dumping of radioactive waste into nearby rivers went on between 1949 and 1952. And you can see there's a little map here, and there's a set of seven or eight fairly large lakes that yeah. all feed into one another with rivers. 
These lakes became some of the most polluted oh, places, if not the most polluted places on Earth because they were just dumping this shit into the rivers, in the lakes. This then caused several outbreaks of radiation sickness downstream in villages outside of the area. Oh. Hmm. Then at first they wouldn't know what was going on with them, would they? No, because there was absolutely no knowledge of what this stuff... Your average Russian peasant, first of all, probably doesn't even know what an atomic bomb is. And second of all, certainly doesn't know what radiation poisoning is. All they know is they're drinking the water. The cure is, didn't we? Yeah, but your average Russian peasant in 1956 is not going to know a lot. Somebody knew. Someone might know. Not many. Mm. People at the top probably know. Well, they knew. They knew. Yeah, but your your average guy tilling the fields in the Ural Mountains isn't going to clue, has he? Nah. On September 29th, 1957, one of the Mayak's plant's cooling systems failed and no one noticed. So basically you add this massive 160 tonne concrete cover covering basically what was a dump for nuclear waste. Plutonium is the main factor and it was just stuck under there, water cooled. The problem is the water system failed and the waste tank exploded lifting the 160 tonne concrete plug into the air and no one was killed by that, but what did happen was a cloud of radioactive material went into the air and fell over an area of 20,000 square kilometres. Obviously, let's just get in. Inadequate or poorly maintained cooling systems. It's the Soviet Union. Yep. Actually, I've got a dislike even 300 kilometres long and 66 kilometres wide. That's how much this spread according to the wind. This still sort of nice little streak of radioactivity there. 270,000 people lived in that area oh. and only 11,000 were evacuated and that took two years to accomplish. That's a joke, isn't it? Yeah. Those who remained were pressed into service to clean up the debris by destroying contaminated crops and livestock and they worked without any protection from radiation and then they were sent back to their homes. Oh, now, I've got here how much people were taking... How much radiation people uh, receiving at received its peak or from this after this explosion? Now again, they denied all knowledge of it. The local newspaper just reported that the Northern Lights are a bit further south this year because <laughs> when you get a release of radiation, it ionizes with the air and you get very pretty glows in the sky. Ooh. They look. It looks. I mean, they had it at Chernobyl, but it was the radiation ionizing in the air. Everyone's like, "Ooh, ah." And then it all starts falling on you. That's when they were standing on the bridge. That's when they were standing on the bridge of death. Yeah. (laughs) No one survived standing on the bridge of death. Now, we're going to measure this in curies. Mm -hmm. Okay? Estimated radiation releases at 20 million curies. To break that down, one curie is what's called a becquerel. One curie is 740 peta becquerels. And the peta means that that number is 74 followed by 16 one six zeros. Whoa. That's just for one Curie. That is one Curie. Okay. Yeah? 740 petabecquerels. Healthy human body, mm-hmm. because we all have a bit of background radiation, yeah. runs at about 8,000 becquerels. How many Curies is that? It's not even a Curie. Oh, fuck. So 20 million is quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's over 20 million times what you should have. Yeah, this release is actually more than 90 trillion times the safe limit of radiation. Now let's move that in slightly into what they call sieverts. Now, a sievert measures the amount of radioactivity that can goes into the human body. Body, yeah. Yeah. A 1994 study by two doctors, Akalev and Lubchensky, estimated that 1,054 of the closest inhabitants were hit by a radiation dose of 570 millisieverts, which directly affected their bone marrow. The normal exposure of millisieverts is two to three a year. How much did they get? 570. That is over 200 times the safe and normal exposure we would get. So this is in the air and the rain? or It's in the air, it's yeah. in the soil, it's in the water. They basically said, 
kill all your livestock and bury your crops. But it's still going to get into the water table. Yeah. It's still going to get into yeah. the air. It's still getting into livestock, which means it's getting you, into the... It, well, it's in the soil, isn't it? And yeah. Gonna, yeah. You, you'll have to just not use that soil for yeah, yeah, X yeah. amount that of time. To, it's contaminated. Yeah. It can't be used for millions of years, probably. Yeah, you're pretty much right. Yeah, it can't be used for hundreds of thousands, if not yeah. millions of years. But I guarantee you they carried on using it. Buried it, turned it over. Because <laughs> it's 1957 and no one knows fucking anything. Yeah, and, and they don't care. And they don't care. It's literally decades long. It all works its way up the food chain to us. Yeah. It's worth pointing out that 350 millisieverts was the criteria for evacuating people in 1986 after the Chernobyl disaster, so they just didn't even bother this time. <sighs> now, the Soviet reaction was a puzzle to many of the peasants who lived near the Mayak plant in the village of Kurobolka. Farmers thought a global nuclear war began when they saw the explosion, which you probably would. Yeah. Within a few days, 300 of the village's 5,000 residents died of radiation poisoning. Fuck hell. An evacuation was planned, but only ethnic Russians were relocated. Oh. The remaining half of the village were ethnic Tatars, who were left in place in the more than 50 years since. Many villagers are convinced they were left as an experiment. Yeah, probably. The cancer rate for Korobolka, now called Tartuscania, is five times that of an uncontaminated village. Ooh. Yeah, it's gonna cause birth deformities and all that shit in it. Yeah, cans, high, uh, high cancer rates, birth deformities, genetic disorders, all sorts. It's not good stuff. This stuff messes with you on a genetic level. How long after did they actually work out how far this had spread from source? Well, they say there was a study in 1994 Quite a long time, after yeah. years later, nearly. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, they did literally eventually evacuate um, 10,000 people over two years, immediately, a thousand people within 10 days. But it's not enough, is it? No, 20 to 32 towns of Moses were evacuated, and the cover up still ensues today, in all fairness. Mm. The nearby town of Kamensk, Uralski, basically, people they didn't tell anyone. This stuff spreading upwind, and people started coming down with a uh, strange mystery disease where their skin started falling off. Oh, Jesus. Radiation sickness, in yeah. other words. They didn't tell anyone. An estimated 200 died from cancer related illnesses, although the death toll has never been released. Much in the same way as Chernobyl, only, uh, was it 30 people died? <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Even though the true cost is probably hundreds of thousands of people across Europe getting cancer and dying young, only 30 people died at Chernobyl. But yeah, there's the death toll around this is still kind of kept secret. And it's one of them things you'll never know. Yeah. Isn't it? And that could contribute to global cancer. I was thinking the same thing. You know, because back in the day, you know, when... when we're always harping on about now, one one in in two. Well, it used to be one in ten, didn't it? (laughs) I mean, one in three now. No, one in two. two. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's what they always harp on about. So if one in two of us are going to get some form of cancer, now obviously we can put, we can factor in lifestyle, smoking, drinking, air pollution, whatever's in the food and water. There's a lot of this stuff still kicking around in the atmosphere. But maybe, like Claire was saying, it's cumulative, isn't it? Yeah, it's a contributing factor to it. Even the food you eat, isn't it? Of course it is. They say too much red meat and processed foods and things. And processed foods in particular. Yeah. They say most of our fucking the wheat or something we get from like Ukraine or whatever. Yeah. Is it wheat from Ukraine? Yeah, wheat, yeah. So that's within the same kind of area and all that's kind of connected. Well, how many years, you know what I mean? How far has things like Chernobyl, that travelled? So... Within the crops there, you'd imagine their radiation levels are probably a hell of a lot more than ours would be, you know, if we had crops. Mm -hmm. Well, what you've got to look at as well is, just flip to Chernobyl briefly, is they didn't really do anything for a couple of days with that, and it was a massive leak. But no one admitted to that until a guy in Sweden walked into where he worked, which is a nuclear power plant, and triggered an alarm. And he had literally a piece of ash from the reactor in Chernobyl on his boot. Radiation alarm picked that up and they managed to identify it as being from a Russian RBMK reactor. Mm. You know, so how far did this spread? Now, 
Counter rate for Kaboka is five times that of an uncontaminated village and other villages around the region report elevated rates of cancer, genetic abnormalities and other illnesses. The Western press knew very little about the event, although the CIA had a satellite hovering over there in the 60s, because that's what they were doing their tests, wasn't it? Yeah. So the home of the Russian A-bomb. And there were no concrete details until 1976, when biologist and Soviet dissident Dr. Zorez Medvedev published an account of the disaster in The New Scientist. He was immediately kicked out of the Soviet Union. Here we go again with the golden 70s, isn't it? Mm. The turning era. Yeah. We were talking about it the other day, weren't we? You know, everything sort of happened and everybody started sort of to care, didn't they? And there was sort of science to back it up, you know, in, in lots of different... But then uh, when you got to the 80s, greed was good and it all went out the window. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the hippies really fucking... The hippies just became the sociopaths of the today, didn't they? The other guys were running everything now. So, the, as late as 1982, scientists in the West displayed doubt that contamination in the area was due to nuclear accident. Instead, it was probably industrial pollution. However, information came out in small pieces until the fall of the Soviet Union, and it wasn't until after the fall of the Soviet Union and documents were released that it was confirmed that it was a nuclear accident. The world's first nuclear accident! No. Now, the Kishtim disaster is not the only reason that Chebolinsky is so contaminated, and that's mainly because of all the waste dumped into the river. Mm. Those who weren't evacuated in the 50s and 60s were left in place and were tended to by national radiation experts who were studying these subjects of a natural experiment to glean information on the effects of nuclear war on humans. So even though it wasn't a planned experiment. Might as well make the most of it. Yeah, pretty much. The villagers were not told of the research and were kept in the dark as to why so many of them were sick. And it was only in 1992 when the Soviet records were declassified the nature of the experiment was uncovered. Even then, one paediatrician estimated that 90% of the village's children suffered from oh, genetic abnormalities and only 7% were considered healthy. Oh. That's incredible. Yep. Just this picture here he's looking at there. Cows and a radiation danger warning sign at the River Tecker. It's a little herd of cows trotting behind the irradiated water in the irradiated field, That's eating today. the grass, which we're going to then take their milk and eat them in turn. That's a modern photo. It is. So they're still letting cows graze on that land? Yep. Isn't that asking for trouble? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the Maya plant. Like a radioactive beef thing, though, is there? Yeah, you know it's from Russia. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what's that weird green glow coming mm. from my freezer? <laughs> ah, curse you, Russian beef! Mm. The Mayak plant stopped processing weapons-grade plutonium in 1987, but still operates in Chelyabinsk, reprocessing spent nuclear fuel shipped in from all over Russia. Although the safety features of the plant have been vastly upgraded from those of the Soviet era, i.e. Well, very little. Glad to hear that. Yes. And the current level of danger from radiation at the plant, however, is in dispute. In other words, they ain't telling us. Yeah. The area around the reactor site had been called the most contaminated place on Earth, with the villages who were affected by the disaster and the long-term industrial pollution still fighting for relocation and compensation and we will probably never know how many people died from nuclear contamination. So for several reasons, it's difficult to pinpoint the exact extent of the contamination over half a century ago. Plus your Soviet suppression of information... Suppression. Suppression of information and documentation makes current research on the incident extremely difficult. And even today, Russia does not welcome challenges to its official version of the story. Worth pointing out that the CIA knew about this, they did know about it, but they suppressed it because they wanted nuclear power. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, you know, they're starting to put in nuclear reactors into America, and you have this, then the public aren't going to want nuclear reactors no. next to their house, no. or next to their town. So they were, well, we've got to keep this one quiet. So they suppressed this as well. So you've got suppression from both sides. Which does make you wonder if the Cold War wasn't just orchestrated by the people at the top making money of the situation. Yeah. Hmm. 
That's what Ike says, isn't it? Even Bill Cooper, Beyond the Pale Horse, he writes that the Americans and the Soviets met once a year underneath the Arctic caps in a submarine, they docked them, and they were both given, the Russians were given their script for the following year. That's an interesting theory. Mm, it's all just all a ploy by the military industrial complex and the people who yeah. really run the world. What did Shakespeare say? Life is a stage and we're all just players. Yeah, to be stage. or not to be? The world's a stage and we're all players. Either that or pass me that pipe filled with weed while someone else writes my plays. <laughs> <laughs> because there is a theory that Shakespeare may have been three or four guys, wasn't just one guy. Ooh. Or that he didn't write. He probably had a staff, yeah, you're probably right. He probably had some like secondary writers. Yeah. That wouldn't have been uncommon, he'd have just taken all the credit. Absolutely, but I, I, was, I always remember being like really shocked and a little, quite frankly, hurt when I realised that all the work of the great masters of the Renaissance, Donatello, Michelangelo, Leonardo, they didn't do half of it. They yeah. sketched it out, or they designed they it, but they gave it to it their assistants to do, so the sculptures, because if Bonatelli... Wouldn't they always finish it, though? If Botticelli wanted to uh, sculpt all the stuff he did, he'd still be doing it now. Right. So they would do the initial designs and how they wanted it to look, and then their apprentices would sculpt it. But they'd finish it. They'd do. They might fine. do the finishing they'd do touches, like the fine details at the end. Yeah. But so yeah. instead of them sculpting a yeah. figure of a man and then doing all the detail in the face, they'd get the other guy to do the figure and say, "Right, leave the face blank. I'll finish that yeah. off." That's how that used yeah. to work. But I remember being gutted when I found that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, found I, mean, I found that out. I found that out right now. Yeah, me too. You were today. You were today years old when you found that one out. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they'd still be sculpted now. Right. <laughs> yeah, there'd been a team. There'd been like a team of yeah. people sculpting out the main bit of it. And literally, that that was it. And then they'd just come along and finish it off and go. There you go. Put my signature on the bottom. Bosh. You know what's a shame? The Russian, <laughs> the Soviet Union couldn't organise a nuclear fucking reactor properly. Right, who was the dude that did the painting? Michelangelo. Do you think he did that whole thing all on his own? I thought you were blind doing it. Yeah, do you think he did that whole thing on his own? He did. I think he did the majority of the Sistine Chapel, but he might have had some contractors in to help out. But then again, he was definitely in on it because he just put a load of dicks on the roof of the church. LAUGHTER <laughs> Quite a few hidden messages in that picture, actually. The fact that God's riding a shell that looks exactly like a human brain, suggesting that God, in fact, is in our heads. Mm, interesting. There you go, Soviet nuclear disaster numero uno. Until mm. 1986. Yeah. Probably the worst one, really, because the way it was hidden, I think, tells you a story of the fact that it's probably a lot worse. It could be. Because the other two were contained quick. Not, well, no, not, Chernobyl was not so much, but certainly Fukushima. Fukushima was contained, contained like as soon as physically possible. Yeah, and things like but that. But Chernobyl, remember, for two days, everyone refused to believe that the core was open. Yeah, but with Kishtim, there's a good chance that that was left even longer mm. before yeah. attempts were made to clean it up because they probably didn't quite realise how. There hasn't been any attempt. You can't clean that shit up. Well, no, but no, but to contain it, like it might have, it could have been a yeah. while before they decided, oh years. shit, that all that exposed plutonium there, we need to contain all of that because that's just seeping out radiation. Plus all the waste that they were dumping into, into the, the water, into the yeah. yeah, which all went into the Arctic Ocean. Yeah, in a roundabout way, you'd like to think that things were learnt from that. So when it did happen again, i.e., Chernobyl. There was a better attempt at containing it and things. What well, would be make more sense would be not to build them in the first place, surely? No. They only last so long anyway, but they're going to be decommissioned. Yes, but it's cheap energy, isn't it's it? not that cheap. It's, cheap, it's, it's, it's cheaper than digging coal out the ground and having coal-fired plants. Yeah, but... It's cheap, cheaper and not, efficient. Not in, not in the outlet. Now with renewables. Now with renewables, the whole thing is... You, you don't know, need them now. You don't need these. Wind farms. Wind farms alone. Wind farms and fucking tidal farms. That's all you need. If they put solar panels and in the Sahara panels, Desert, it yeah. would power the world. Yeah. I'm not saying do that. That's just an example. Why not, though? It has no real use, does it? Just not fucking really. do it. Oh, man, some Bedouins will have to move their tents. That's going to be the extent of that relocation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but there's parts of the Sahara that are bigger than, like... 
states and of America that have got nobody within them, not even your Bedouins. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's so lizards soda. that lift up their feet because it's too yeah. fucking hard. That's, that's Even just then, there are some like completely barren parts of yeah. it that are as big as like bigger than the UK, and you think fucking yes. Yeah, we got wind, we got water, biogas. Well, I'm better off now. So who should stump up the money to you know do Everyone. such a project? Everyone, all the superpowers in the world. Each, every country would each you, country that would be wanting to use the power from it chips in a bit of money. They would you'd have to put in the money dependent on your power usage, wouldn't you? Hang yeah. on a minute, instead of giving ten million pounds a minute or eleven million pounds a minute, wasn't it? To the oil companies. To oil companies. Let's put that into renewables. No, yeah, it's done in a year. No, them shakes need their money, Mike, are they gonna buy that little Eleven million pounds a minute? Yeah, but who's Dubai going to give everyone Lamborghinis? Yeah. Build the highest buildings. And, well, you know, Mike, that's funded the football, mate. <laughs> the shareholders, how are they going to get their massive right, though, profits? That's right. If, if you could easily change direction of funds. Yeah, subsidies that we're subsidising yeah. the oil companies. Who'd say that they don't want to keep the Sahara Desert as it is? I'm not saying that. I'm just, it's just an example to say that we've got the technology and we've got the room to do it. You make you stick them on everyone's roof. Yeah. What's their argument against doing it? That's the big question. Well, the problem is with solar panels is that they're also getting rid of them is a bit dangerous. It does well, take a few you can always rare go earth with, metals to. You can go wind farms then. And battery storage as well, lithium, isn't it? Yeah, plenty of wind in Sahara. We can upgrade the the grid, make it more viable to re- renewables. Take, yeah, it would take time and money, but there's no reason it couldn't be done. Instead of having this, I mean, the Americans had Three Mile Island not long, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, where they had a nuclear leak in the the state of New York, wasn't it, Three Mile Island? Mm. We had the Windrush nuclear fire in the 50s. None of these are infallible, because at the end of the day, it all comes down to cost. You want these things knocked up as cheaply and as efficiently as possible, so you can start cranking power out of them. I'm sure Fukushima, if it had the money spent on it, it could have protected it. They could have done something, they probably could have gone, let's have some tsunami kind yeah. of safeguard. But they didn't put it in because it was too expensive. And the fact that it had already had a leak as well, after an earthquake a few years previously, mm. that money wasn't spent on strengthening things, it was patching it up and getting it, pumping out energy again. I don't think the Soviet Union should be led anywhere near the atom, personally. Yeah. <laughs> you can do about it, isn't no, there isn't anything you can do about it, but when yeah. I go back in time, when you go back in time, <laughs> go, go back to Gorbachev, not Gorbachev, you need to go to Stalin and Khrushchev and say, look, you guys should not have atomics. I'm on it, don't worry. Who the fuck are you? Gulag for Gulag, <laughs> off to the gulag. <laughs> she got back in time to worry. I've already gone down there with some nowadays weapons and they've all been afraid because they'll be like, oh, what the fuck? You can't take anything with you. I fucking can. Pete, it's the 50s. They've still got AK decent bo- weapons. They've got 1847s for a start. There's not much difference, is there, between now and... They've got no fucking miniguns. Yeah, they have. <laughs> yeah, Gatling gun. Yeah, they didn't they had that tech. All right, all right. Yeah. Laser guns. Well, we haven't got them, have we? <laughs> By the time we've got time travel, we're still going to have laser guns. Right. Don't worry yeah, about it. But then you go back, get overwhelmed, they take your laser gun, and you, before you know you change the timeline, and we're all living under Soviet dictatorship. Stalin's a cyborg. Uh, I mean, that sense. He's a cyborg with a little moustache. It won't matter anymore, though, will it? It won't matter anymore. You'll be called fucking... Benchkoff and <laughs> you'll be Mykolovsky and <laughs> I don't think there's a bed in Russian I don't think there is so yeah I just have to be called something else but either way it's not good don't let them anywhere near the atom but it's my thing they shouldn't have been any, anywhere near it the lunatics you know the Soviet Union should have known that it's fucking building work was shoddy at best I didn't care did they well, no, they didn't. That's the problem. They didn't give a shit. I mean, it was the, more about the, you know, the safety measures weren't there. They wanted the technology and fuck the people. Didn't matter. Yeah, the penalty didn't outweigh the price that they'd get from it. At the end of the day, wasn't it? I'm not swear I'm looking. The for. negatives outweighed the positives. Well, the positives outweighed the negatives for them. 
Yeah, as the people making it. But for the people, it wasn't. For people, was it? it was the other way around completely. And what you got to look at as well is that the Soviet Union's greatest resource was always its population. Mm. That's how they won World War Two, isn't it? They threw enough bodies at the Germans until yeah. they overwhelmed them. Yeah. You know, it's basically what they're trying to do now. This is what they're trying to do now, but it's not working anymore. But yeah, there you go. The greatest nuclear disaster you have never heard of. Hmm. Hmm. Time for some fucked up facts. Yeah. Yeah. Theme tune, please. Facts, facts, fucked up facts, facts, facts. Facts. Go on, Mike. Hit us with some knowledge. The French National Lottery was founded by Casanova. Ooh. Ooh. I always thought he was Italian. Casanova? Yeah. No, French. Yeah, I didn't know that. Did he invent the 69? Or the swaz on nerve. That. <laughs> curious now. I'll have to Google Casanova later. <laughs> Apparently bees can be pessimistic. Hmm. I'd be pessimistic if I was a bee. Yeah. Where the fuck's all the flowers gone? This. Like, they can be depressed. Like, yeah, they can, mm. they can be pure. But how would you measure that? How would you measure the scale of a bee's depression? <laughs> Do you put a flower in front of it? Full of pollen, and if it's a bit depressed that day, I'll just sort of crawl over to it. And no, it'll fly up to it and go, I don't believe that there's any pollen in this, and then it'll leave. <laughs> some pretty pessimistic bees this week landed in my pollen. <laughs> yeah, well, they try to kill themselves. Suicidal bees, <laughs> It's like, oh, fuck life, there's no pollen left. I put it on it's a all been taken. Oh, <laughs> splash. <laughs> they do have bouncers at hives, though. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes bees will drink like, yeah, fermented oh. fruit and shit and get pissed. Okay. And when they come back to the hive, you're pissed. They don't let you in until you sober up. <laughs> That's <laughs> probably the ones that you find in your pool then. Yeah. Because yeah. they go out, they go, oh, I better fucking drink some water yeah. and sober myself. Oh, it's no water. That'll do. Oh, shit, it's a bit big. And some of oh, them become bollocks. alcoholics. <laughs> Never. I've also read somewhere that bees are attracted to the smell of chlorine. All right. Because they, they know that our water, they've obviously learnt this over time, our water's got a, like a minute bit of tap water, has got a minute bit of chlorine in it, so they associate with that. Mm. Bit sad, that, though, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, not so much as token, not so much the thought of like a, an alcoholic bee sat outside the hive like hey, well, let me in. are bees black with yellow stripes yeah. or are they yellow with black stripes? It's not a question I've ever cared to ask myself or anybody else. Black with yellow stripes and a little white. Bird. I don't know. The only bees I've ever really liked are the ones with honey I shook the kids. Good old bumblebee. Yeah. That bees <laughs> are ace man. They're so yeah. friendly. And it's a shame when people are scared of bees. You should never be afraid of a bee. Yeah. Whatsoever. A bee will never, ever, ever intentionally hurt a human. It won't. Unless they're threatened. They'll never just go, oh, I'm going to hurt you. And I bet an alcoholic bee, you would have been drunk, he's a bit angry, a bit violent. Even then, he knows he's going to die if he stings you. Do they know they're going to die if they sting you? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. It must be. They, they must, they must, they must have watched like, no, Larry, don't do it, you'll die. I'm going to get that fucking human and he stings him and he pulls it. He's like, oh, Larry, you got to My guts have all fallen out. Oh, oh. poor Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> Does anybody like the smell of freshly cut grass? Yeah. Even yeah. as a hay fever sufferer, mm. yes. That's a plant distress call giving warning to all the other grass that. It's going to get his head chopped off. You're going to get your head chopped off, Levy! So the poor the grass getting its head chopped off and it tells everybody else. Yep. Yeah. You're about to die! Does that make us sadists for enjoying that? Maybe. If we like that smell. Now we know what it is. Yeah. I'm going to like it, it even more. Freshly <laughs> 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 cooked grass, nothing smells better than plant genocide in the morning. <laughs> Smells like victory. <laughs> Can anyone guess what percentage of people over 70 are still sexually active? 43. Very um, close. I got 37. Closer. 40. Claire? Uh, I think you said 37. 39. No, oh. 31%. Claire's the closest, 33%. Ooh. Oh. 
disturbing and encouraging <laughs> at the same time. There's still hope when we're old and, old and wrinkly. Then again, they had it quite good, that generation, the ones who were 70-odd now. I mean, when we get to 50, we probably wouldn't be raised to smile, no mind anything else. <laughs> yeah. They had free love, didn't they, in the 60s? Yeah. My dad was said he'd always have been a hippie, just for the free love, but he said he couldn't get on with the lack of bathing. That was his excuse for <laughs> not being a hippie. He liked to bathe regularly. He was down for the free love, but he wasn't down for the not washing. He could have bathed. <laughs> that was his excuse for not being a hippie. That's all I got for you. That's what he told me. <laughs> Some restaurant owners in China have tried an unusual method to get customers to keep coming back. Giving them COVID-infected bats. Are they going to make them come back? Cocaine <laughs> in their dog. Pete's closest. 215 restaurants have been caught lacing their noodles with opiates to addict their customers. Whoa! Oh, 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 oh. First with the MSG. Yeah. That is just doesn't surprise me. The Chinese, they're another one who shouldn't have access to anything nuclear. Oh, you have your dog noodles today, yeah. Nice for heroin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds you of the episode of Paradise PD where they were putting heroin in the fried chicken and like the chief became a chicken addict. He was sucking cock for chicken. That, that's obviously where they got the fucking idea from then. <laughs> then again, there used to be cocaine in Coca-Cola. Is that made it addictive as well? See, I, I, I'm not sure that that's genuine. I don't, I don't know whether that's true or not. Yeah, they used to dish in cocaine as on prescription, mate. Surely they didn't put cocaine in Coca-Cola. I'm not saying there was a lot of cocaine in it, but there would have been some. I mean, they, they, they Scarface stood over the fucking yeah. barrel of coke, like, <laughs> dropping in a, a big flower sack of cocaine. <laughs> Are they like this? <laughs> well, that'd be awesome. Why wasn't that in the film? Say hello to my little friend! <laughs> Speaking of my little friend, the Tour de France employs a specialist team to adapt or destroy all images of genitals that people paint on the route. What? what? <laughs> Makes sense, I guess. That's a thing. Yeah. So on the route, people think, oh, I'm going to draw a cock, so when the people yeah. driving past, there's going to be a big cock on the wall. It's going to be the camera's going to keep yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. So they have a crew that goes around. I'm wiser that now. Yeah. So I'm going to follow the fucking crew. So yeah. once they've beaten her up, they're like, oh, they've just cleaned up a big cock there. Right? Put another one. Yeah. There we go. We should get a job on that team and bring it down from the inside. <laughs> I think following that team would be funnier, though, wouldn't it, surely? True. There's something about drawing cocks on things that's very... Fun. Elemental in the human race, in the human comedy yeah. psyche. It's always got to have a bit of spurtage coming out of the team yeah. as well. I mean, they found a dick graffitied on Hadrian's wall by a Roman soldier. The Romans are always drawing dicks on things. Did they even it's do funny. The, did they even do the cock and balls with the pubes and everything? Yeah. Their graffiti used to be like, so I fucked Lucius's mom. she was great. <laughs> Romans loved that shit. Something with drawing dicks, it's just elemental. It's grown up with us as a species. In Italy, it is not a crime to steal food if you're hungry. Well, that's a bit of a workaround, because anyone, how can anyone tell if you're hungry or not? I suppose, what, they take you home and see if your fridge is empty. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, take your circumstances into account. And go over and say, look, I have no food in my fucking house. Yeah. I'm but stealing something. If you're a middle-class lawyer or something and you're stealing food, that's... You're not hungry, are you? Yeah. You piss. could have been hungry at the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, That's what I mean. So if you've got someone who's hyper-obese on a little mobility scooter and for some reason they just have to keep eating, they're always hungry. That, bit, that little bit of their brain doesn't switch off. They're like a Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry. And they just you get a chocolate bar off the side and start eating it. You know, can't arrest me. I'm hungry. You just have fat people all day just sort of like grazing in the supermarket. <laughs> hungry. <laughs> hungry. That's, that's what I mean. <laughs> in, in, in the cattle market, like, yeah. I think it's a risky law. <laughs> Let's move it. <laughs> no, we'll all be obese by the end of it. You don't have to keep on taking. No, I have to. Every I'm time I, I'm I can steal if I'm hungry. I'm fucking hungry. I'm stealing. We'll be kleptomaniacs and obese. <laughs> can you steal cars? I'm <laughs> <laughs> hungry. Um, um, um. Do you need to get the drive through? <laughs> I need 
Ghost Tale from McDonald's. I'm sure of that food. Wendy's just bought out a new burger. I was fucking starving, alright. I had to steal that ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> and shoot three fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I had to steal that ice cream van. <laughs> Just talking to my mates. Lying underneath the whipping. <laughs> Drowning ice cream. Uh, I think it's a risky law. It could be open to interpretation. What country was that again? Italy. Italy. It would have been better if it was Hungary. Yes. <laughs> it would have been, you're right. Next fact. Yeah. A wasp named after Idris Elba is saving Mexico's broccoli crop from parasites. Okay. <laughs> is Idris Elba known for saving broccoli? <coughs> is there a reason they named the wasp after Idris Elba? So, so many questions leap out at me. Yeah. Is it killing the other little predators and little things that munch on the, the broccoli? Yeah, yeah, obviously. But... What's it going to do in turn? It's like when they introduced the cane toad into Australia. Was it the cane toad? I believe when they introduced that to Australia to take the population of... Crickets? Locusts? Locusts or something like that. And now they're overpopulated with these cane toads, which have actually caused a lot more damage... Yeah, they have. ...than the other things that would, would have ever caused. Then you've got to introduce mongies. And then... Well, yeah, this is it, but... Then you've got to introduce cougars. Yeah, but this is... I should have and then you've got to introduce got lions. Yeah, and then bears. And then you got to introduce elephants. Yeah. That's it. Then you're overrun by elephants, which isn't a bad thing. <laughs> but do wonders for the elephant numbers. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the only thing that would take out a lion or a tiger. Can bears take out lions? Bears can take out lions yeah. 99% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely, it is literally like 99% of the time because a lion's skull is too thin. Well, a bear can just swipe it. Bears are just huge. Isn't bears ain't gonna hit it once. It's we know because they used to always fight bears and tigers. Sasquatch and lions. Sasquatch to take out the bears. That would do wonders for the Sasquatch numbers. But yeah, they did in the <laughs> Old West. They used to have that fight all the time. Mm. Bear versus a tiger or something oh, like that. Bear versus fucking silverback gorilla. What would go down there, do you reckon? I'm going for bear. There's yeah, like razor claws, and it. Yeah. Gorilla's got the intelligence though, and the fucking super duper strength. Imagine it punching the fucking long reach. Imagine it fucking proper clocking. We're we talking the bear. grizzly bears here. Grizzly. Well, either way, don't matter. Fucking well, it does matter. Fully full grown biggest gorilla out there, kind of thing. Yeah, well, I bet what bear it gets Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> beating a grizzly. Fully grown mama grizzly protecting its young versus a. A silverback gorilla, who would win? I don't know, see, I'd put some money down on the gorilla. I think I'd play both sides in this so I come out on top. A gorilla could pick up a fucking great half a tree as well. Massive big log and twat it, which would probably be one of its go-to things. I think that would be one of its go-to things. It'd probably, yeah, probably yeah. swing it like a bloody baseball oh, bat, let's just, it? Let's just leave a load of it. weapons in there and it's just kind of a reader and see if any of them adapt and improvise. <laughs> just like drop a gorilla in there and a, and a big grizzly. And there's like swords and spears on the wall. <laughs> I was imagining them in a wrestling ring, sort no. of just what you got. I was, I, I was imagining them in the middle of a jungle or something. Well, I started off with the forest idea, but then I, <laughs> then I moved to the, the death arena. <laughs> No, it, 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 I think it would be an interesting one. It's something you'd never really see, I guess. Yeah. We need to run some kind of advanced computer program until you come out on top. Surely there are bears in some parts of the you know Amazon. What? I'm going to Google it. The Amazon and places like that, where, like Brazil, where yeah, they found... Yeah, like Kodiak these. bears, aren't they? They're really, like, they're only tight. They've not got big bears, like, I think up, so, in no. North America and that. Yeah. Grizzly bear. What's the biggest bear in South America? That'd be interesting as well. Kill a gorilla. Someone's already beat us two on this one. Mm. Grizzly beats a silverback ten times out of ten, apparently. Here we go. Ah. Told you. Um, the no average chance. silverback weighs around 350 pounds and stands at five and a half feet tall. Their long arms give them the reach advantage on a grizzly, but that's about it. Yeah. Right. Teeth and claws yeah. win that one, don't Can't they? Wait. Mm. We have as a bear. Got to be close to a ton, isn't it? Got to be 700 kilos. Yeah. Twice its weight. Probably even the yeah, best part of a ton. 
I'm having some problems accessing articles because we're, oh. for some reason, we're still in the EU economic zone according to the internet. Well, never mind. Bear wins. Oh. The bear is larger and faster. I like Yeah. Bears. I have it's a bear, did we? Did it it doesn't, doesn't say. Oh. Oh. Silverback gorilla, £485. A full grown grizzly, £800. Yeah. <laughs> the worry, yeah. No chance. Okay, we'll finish on this fact. Santa Claus is running against Sarah Palin to be Alaska's next representative. I think he might win. <laughs> I fucking hope he does. Yeah. I would um, have consensual sex with Sarah Palin. I think you'd say Santa Claus then. <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't have non consensual <laughs> sex with her then? No, no, no. That's okay then. <laughs> so, if she said, how do you, if we're in the same hotel and I meet her in the bar and she says, how do you fancy? I'm, I'm like, just yeah. not quite sure why you felt you need to <laughs> say, like, I'd have consensual sex to her. It's like, it's like non consensual sex is well. an option. <laughs> I'm just, just saying that it'd be, I'm trying to navigate a tricky minefield of political correctness. Right? So I'm trying to ensure that we're both up for it. And it's, everything's winning and okay. Well, and, I'm not just... en- and I'm not in any way undermining her value as a woman by seeing her as a sex object. <laughs> and he promises there will be no Rohypnol or GHB. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll even buy her a, a drink and everything. I'll even spring for the bacon sandwich after. But I do think Santa Claus will beat you in the election. Yeah. Maybe that's why I could meet her in the hotel when she's a bit depressed, why I'm of a chance. He is actually from North Pole, Alaska as well, and yeah. he's on the city council. <laughs> is he said your name Santa Claus? Is that just a bloke in a suit? No, his name's Santa Claus. Oh, right? fucking awesome! He's changed his name and everything. If he, if he hasn't got a white beard, he's a, a large John. Of course he's a large Johnny man, he lives in America. We might have to have a quick look for this article in a moment. We're going to have to. But anyway, I'd say that's the end of the show. Yep. Vote Santa Claus, obviously. Mm. My name's Ben. Thanks for listening. Don't join the flavour Don't join the cult. And follow us on Facebook at Cutting the Ball in the Post with Apocalypse. YouTube at Apocalypse Ball. And we're available on most podcasting platforms as Cutting to the Ball in the PTA. I'm mean, Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. And I've been Claire. Keep an open mind. But not so open to the out your ears, guys. I've been Pete. A low shoe height.